0: The week after Easter, what what happens the week after Easter? Well, you know, looked around last week, there wasn't a place to sit. And now there's room again. <laughs> that happens the week after Easter. But e- the Easter basket, it's just empty, and unfortunately, all of our candy's gone too. So so we're out of candy. That's kind of a shame. And uh, we forgot to put our eggs in the fridge. You know that you can you can you can keep a raw egg out of the fridge a lot longer than a hard-boiled egg apparently, and so we had to throw away all of our eggs. I didn't get any uh, deviled eggs. Can you say deviled eggs? Is that something you can eat? I don't know. (laughs) Didn't get any this year. Isn't that a shame? But you know they're gone. What about us? You know, was is there more for us than than just last week? This week. I'm just gonna. And this was one of those bad weeks for me, and mostly I think it came physically. I think there was a huge letdown, and and I got to uh, to Monday, and you know it started out okay, but but I threw out my back really really bad on Monday and spent the entire week just in, in excruciating pain, and off and on Tuesday night I thought it was finally finally better. I believe what happened is is uh, I, people were praying for me. And I I began to get healed, and and I really believe that I grabbed back onto the pain and didn't have faith that I I was actually healed. Because Wednesday morning it started coming back, and then I had another bad day, and then Linda came and prayed for me. Uh, What day was that, Linda? I don't know, Saturday. Um, And anyway, so praise the Lord, I am better. But in that week, discouragement came like crazy this week, and it was just hard battling through. Then yesterday, I'm just, just you know, sharing my, my things. You had your things. Um, the propane guy, we're now in, in Lake Williams. And uh, the propane guy was past our house and he wasn't in our house. And I said, Well, you know, our, our, I think you're supposed to fill up our tank. And have you come yet? He says, Well, no, I haven't. And, and uh, so he said, Well, how much? What, what's your level? And I went back and looked and it was 7.5%. So I called the company and it says, Can he fill it up? And they said, Sure. And he says, We were just there on February 23rd. And, uh, and we filled it up. We have a 250-gallon tank. That means between February 23rd and, and you know, yesterday, we used um, nearly 200 gallons of propane. And at $3.50 a gallon, and, and we only lived in the house for three of those weeks. And so I about had a heart attack. I haven't gotten the bill yet. But but I'm estimating about a $700 gas bill for three weeks, and I'm like, if this is the if this is our going to be our gas bill, we're going to move. You know, all the people living is up there, it's like it's high, but is it that high? Okay, so we don't know if there's something wrong. I'm trying to work this problem. So that was, anyways. So it's one of those weeks. <laughs> Do you ever have one? And what what happens? We we lose sight of the Lord. We, you know, it's, it's not that I'm not mad at God. Not once this week did I say, God, my back hurts and I blame you. That's, that's not even close to anything that's happening. But I just, I'm not, I haven't been thinking about the Lord as much as I need to. I've been pressing into Him. I've just been surviving this week. Has that ever been your, your case? <laughs> Good. So all of you who said yes and laughed and, I'm preaching to you, the rest can finish the snacks outside. And, and, you know, you don't need to hear this. So, so it's the week after Easter, and and for us, this is that thing. I mean, last week, we were excited. Amen? I mean, I was excited. There's something about that. He is risen. He is risen in me, and, and it's that moment of, yes, God, this is what it's about. It all becomes real again, and and then Monday. Just goes apart, and who's God? We're not alone. We might finish up John today. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? John chapter 20, we've got two chapters, and I'm going to try to go through this and and see what what happens here. We're not going to start at the beginning of 20, I'm just going to talk about it. The beginning of John chapter 20, let's pray. Father, your word is life. So we pray that you speak to us and bring life today. I thank you that you didn't fall off the throne on Monday in my life, and I know that. God, that you're in control. Father, we just pray that that as we go into this word that you would speak to each of us and encourage each of us on our path, not just individually, but as groups of people, as life groups, as community of believers. Be with us. Bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, John chapter 20, we see that um, that, that, be, that last week's sermon, which I didn't really preach an Easter sermon last week. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, but we're going to go a little bit later, so let's catch up. The disciples, of course, were distraught. They go to the tomb. It's empty. Jesus starts appearing to them, and they're, they're getting pretty excited, like, wait a second. Jesus is alive. Now, we're going to go down to... Um, verse 19. So, so this is last Sunday night, if you will. The same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. They're still afraid. They haven't seen Jesus corporately yet. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That's such a bad translation. Wow, I'm glad to see you, Jesus. You're alive. You were dead this morning, but I'm glad. You know, it's okay to read this and go, they're doing the best they can in explaining their feeling, but it's better than, I'm glad. Okay? <laughs> read it and experience it. They were glad. Um, so, they said, he said. Jesus said it again, peace to you as the Father sent me, I also send you. Just like on the video. And with this, he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit over the next few weeks as we approach Pentecost. Um, But going down. Now, Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve. He wasn't with them. And so the other disciples, I'm going to start paraphrasing so we can move through this. The other disciples saying, we've seen the Lord and Thomas does that amazing thing, right? Well, unless I see the holes and the scars and can put my finger inside. I'm not gonna believe it." And we go, oh, Thomas, you're such a doubter. Yeah, because I'd be like really ready to believe that he was alive too. He watched him. See, don't get too hard on Thomas. Thomas was ready to go and fight for the Lord and go die for him, but he saw Jesus die. Isn't that a fairy tale? He watched his friend, his teacher, his master, Die a horrible death. And he goes, no, no one can live through that. That's because Jesus didn't live through it. He did die, and he rose again. And then Jesus comes, and he says, Thomas, put your hands, my hands, my side, it's me. And Thomas says something amazing. He says, my Lord. Do you remember we talked about what Lord means? Lord is master. But he says, my Lord and my God. We, we breeze through this. Don't breeze through that part. He says, my Lord and my God. He's saying, you're my master, but you are also God. Blasphemy if it's not truth. See, Jesus was okay to be a rabbi. You could even call him master because there was masters of, of areas and stuff, and that was okay, but you, you cannot cross the line and say he's God. But Thomas goes, no, my Lord, my God. He sees Jesus, and and Jesus, of course, says, you know, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. That's us. But I don't know if it can count as us, because I've seen the hand of God so many times in my life. I have seen, but but we never got to see Jesus. We didn't get to see the nails and the the, the scars. We didn't get to see that. And Jesus looks down and, and says, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet have believed. We're blessed because of that. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 30 here, says, "'And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but they are written down that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by that believing you may have life in His name.'" Okay, so, so we know that Jesus spent 40 days with the disciples. We find that in Acts, Acts chapter 1, where He walked with the disciples for 40 days. Um, he had a number of appearances for him. We're going to go to chapter 21. Jesus has now walked through walls. If you read the other gospels, he's, he's in the room, the doors were locked. He shows up in the middle. He's got the scars. He's alive. The disciples have seen it. They're glad. Now, now, now verse chapter 21, this is my week. This is, this is where I was this week. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberius. Okay, after what things? After he did more miracles, after he showed up in their midst, he shows up at the Sea of Tiberius, which is the Sea of Galilee. Lots of names for this. this it's also the Sea of Gennesaret, if you ever see it, it's all the, all the one sea. And here's the group that's there. Peter, Thomas called the twin, your Bible might say called Didymus, that which simply means the twin. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, the two other disciples were all together. And Simon Peter, but I'm going to change that today. And Pastor Rob said, I'm going fishing. That's what I wanted to say this week. I'm going fishing. I'm doing something. I'm going back to a different job. I'm going back. I'm going fishing. Now, Peter was a fisherman. And this wasn't even a pastime. It's like, what am I going to do? What do I know to do? I'm going fishing. What? What? they have seen the risen Christ. They've spent time with Him, He's alive, and yet it's like, I'm going fishing. I don't know what else to do. And so they go out and they get in the boat and they're fishing and they fish all night. And somebody shows up on the shoreline, and they and he, and he yells out to them, and they don't know who it is yet. I mean, they, it's, they, they're about a hundred or so yards out, maybe it, maybe up to four hundred and fifty feet, and he and he yells out, "Have you have have you caught anything? Have you had any breakfast?" No, there's we've fished all night. There's nothing. Children, have you have any food? In verse five. You no. Know, I don't like to do this, but I'm going to do something today that I normally don't do, and I, I kind of criticize uh, preachers when they do it and they don't explain what they're doing. I'm going to take an English translation of this next verse and preach the English translation in an incorrect preaching manner, but I believe it's going to speak to us. I'm just telling you that this is not what the Greek says. This is an English. I, I, anyways. And Jesus says to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they're out there and, and you know, okay, so they take the, the, the nets from from your left, from the left, and they put it onto the right, and they catch some. And they draw it up, okay, and they caught a multitude of fish. 153. I still don't know what the significance of 153 is. I actually saw one commentary says, that if you cut up all the people that, that Jesus blessed. And had contact with in the, in the Bible. There's 153 instances of all the people that he touched personally. And in, in, I don't know, um, but 153. No matter what, we know it's a big amount. 153 big fish. It says, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, says to Peter, "It is the Lord." Now Peter does what he does best: just reacts. And does something rash and he he doesn't have his outer garment and he jumps into the water and he swim. that's a long swim but he knows he's going to get there quicker swimming than getting the fish in and getting the boat because he's got to go meet jesus he's and he goes back and the, finally the boat comes in shore and the it says verse 8 the other disciples came into the little boat for they were not far from land about 200 cubits 350 feet dragging the net with fish as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up and he gra- dragged the net to land full of the large fish, 153. Although there were so many, the net wasn't broken. I mean, that's, that's a big, big quantity. I'm not a fisherman, but I can't fit 150 in my little net. I know that. Um, and none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? See, there's something about Jesus in his post-resurrection appearances that he was different, but the same. They, it, it, you know, they're not going to ask him who he was, yet they, because they knew it was the Lord, but it wasn't obvious, and I, I still wonder what that is. I don't know, if Susan, if you've ever thought about that, but there's something about Jesus that, you know, they're walking along the road and they don't recognize him, and then later, like, didn't our hearts burn with this? So they recognize him, but they don't. Anyways, I'm, it's just, that was extra. You can, don't worry about that. And so Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and the fish, and this is the third time Jesus showed himself disciples after he was raised from the dead. So what, Pastor Rob? Okay, before we go on to 15. Peter went out and didn't know what else to do. I think they were discouraged. And what's weird is why are they discouraged they've seen Jesus? Maybe because they hadn't seen him since then. I'm, I don't know. Something came up and it discouraged them even though They witnessed his resurrection. And so he says, I'm going fishing. And Jesus comes up. Hey, guys, did you catch anything? No. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. And this is what jumped out at me. You know, we need to be on the right side. We need to be doing the right thing. Okay, this one, this isn't the Greek, this is the English. Something about that spoke, we get discouraged, but we still have to be doing the right thing. See, we're, we're on the wrong side. Now, I'm not saying that our faith went to the wrong side, but we're doing the wrong thing. We're fishing on the wrong side. It's the incorrect side, not the bad side, but it's the incorrect. We need to, when we get those moments of discouragement, we need to come back and say, no, I want to be doing the right things. And Jesus, He doesn't chastise them. He doesn't do anything. He just says, listen, fish on the right side. Do the right thing. And, I, and I'm really taking a lot of liberty with that. But this is what, what I believe is it, what the Lord spoke to me. We find ourselves discouraged. We turn on the TV. We'll find ourselves, whatever it is, we, we do those things. We need to really fight against that in those moments and say, no, I, I'm going to do the right thing. All right? I, I'm, not on, I'm not even talking about, no, I'm not going to go and get drunk. See, sometimes that's what we, the, maybe that's, that's what it is for you. Or, uh, you know, we think, well, you know, well, at least I didn't go get drunk. But no, Jesus is saying, no, not just that. Was fishing bad? I don't think it was bad. But in that moment, let's, what's the right thing? You, well, this is what's great. You know, you know who tells us what the right thing is? Jesus. And this one, they was fishing on the right side. So we get discouraged. Don't walk away from him. Don't walk away from, from his word. Don't just busy yourselves doing the wrong thing. You'll find yourself doing the right thing. You know, get into his word. Read. You even know just, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm tempted to do this either bad thing or just maybe the thing that's not going to bring me any life and peace. Something that's not going to be fruitful and do the right thing. But Jesus is so gentle. And and he he comes and he feeds them. And right after this is what is amazing here. Jesus, in his interaction with Peter in in chapter uh, 21, verse 15, Peter's still living with his betrayal of Jesus. And maybe add to that this moment now where he's like, I just go fishing. And so Jesus points us out and he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Here's a translation problem. I, I, I don't know. There, I believe there's, you can take this two ways and I, I couldn't figure for sure what it was saying. I believe he's saying one way and not the other. Do you love me more than these? I don't think Jesus is saying, Do you love me more than they love me? But it could be translated that way. Do you see what I mean? Do you love me more than these? Or or is he saying, Simon, do you love me more than you love them? Or is he even talking about the fish? Do you love me more than you love these? See, Simon was a fisherman we're really, we're not even sure what he's talking about in these. He could be, he would go into the fish because a, a, a catch of 153 big fish, that's a, that's a good day work. Wow. But, but whatever it is, it, it, Jesus has asked the question, do you love me more than them or these or whatever else This is the question? Do you love me? And Simon Peter says, now, let me tell you, when you go into the Greek, this was, this was fun. I'd never done this before. The, this love is agape. Do you agape me? Unconditional love. Remember, agape is really a biblical... It was very, found very rarely in any other writings. It was, it was used primarily in the Bible until this point. After that, they started using a little bit more. Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I agape. This one, and here, see, when I went to the Greek, it's saying it's phileo, but phileo doesn't happen for a while longer unless I was reading the wrong Greek translation. It says, yeah, I, I agape you. And, and Jesus says, feed my lambs. And then Jesus goes a second time, and he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He uses the same word agape again, at least the Greek Bible that I was reading last night. And um, Simon says, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Now, in this passage, they use two different words for, for feed and tend and two different words for lamb and sheep. There's a a, a word that really means like a little lamb, and then the sheep, they, the reason they change it is it's not just two different ways to say the same thing. First one was feed my little, my little lamb, my lambkins. Second one is tend, care for pasture, my big sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? He changed it. He actually did change it in, in the Greek text that I, w- I was reading. And um, which, which, which was, I never knew that. He changed it. And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, and he uses the first word feed from the very first time, and he uses the second word sheep. So you're going to feed my sheep. I'm going to stop there for a second. Why why three times? And you, You may have heard this. You may have figured out yourself. But I believe it's because Peter denied Christ three times. And he felt unforgivable. And Jesus just wants to get into him. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? each time, though, he gave him a charge over his, his sheep. And he also took away something. Peter was a fisherman. He was taking away something from Peter. He said, listen, you're not going to be a fisherman. You're going to be a shepherd. I'm changing you. He's already changed his name. He's restoring them. and He's giving him his care, his charge. Jesus was the great shepherd. He cared for the sheep. And now he's passing on that to the one who betrayed him you know, he denied him. And he says, listen, this is the most important thing on my heart. I came for my sheep. And now I'm telling you, I'm going to give you the care for my sheep. I trust you. I forgive you. I love you. But do you really love me? goes through the process. and, And the Lord restores Peter three times. You know, receive that this morning, church. We need to receive it. The Lord restores us. He looks at you and he gives you charge. And he says, listen, I give you charge over the things that are mine. I love you. I trust you. I care for you. Take care of my sheep. Do the things that I, I give to you. I command you. Care for one another. Love one another. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. And he restored him. Now in that verse 17, he's already asked him, do you do you love me unconditionally?" But in verse 17, he changed it. He says, well, do you phileo me? Well, that's friendship love. You know, Philadelphia is the city of friendship and it comes from the Greek word phileo, which is, it's like a friend love. And it's almost like Jesus saying, okay, you said you unconditionally love me, but are you my friend too? Are you my friend? You love me? You know, I, How many people love people as long as they're far away? (laughs) Maybe even though agape is that unconditional hard hard word, maybe he's getting it a little bit differently. But are you also my friend? Are are you my friend? And Peter says, and and we go into again. We go into the Greek and in here in the English, it's no and no. Watch it says. Um. Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. But in the Greek, the first no is different than the second no. And the first no is, you perceive all things, you understand all things, you, it's like you get it, you have a sixth sense, you know, we might say that. You, you just, you know all things, you perceive, it's, it's all clear to you. And then he changes the word and he says, and you gnosko, you personally know, that I love you. You perceive it all and you know that I love you. Jesus does. He knows. He knows you personally and he perceives all. And right there, Peter was, believe one of the things he was he was declaring that going, I can't lie to you because you perceive everything. You know, I've, there's been times in my kid's life when I ask them a question and they've said things like this, like they, they learned that I knew. I'm a dad. I know things. <laughs> Remember when your parents would do that to you? How did you know that? Corey and I talk about that a lot. You know, it's like our kids. You know, it, there's something about a parent what we know, and so at some point you, you go to your parents you go, you know what, I'm not going to try to lie. You know, don't you? I've even done that. So, what happened last night and you're and they're like, how does he know? <laughs> Peter's not hiding anything. He says, "You know me. You perceive everything. Lord, I love you." And that's why he, he, he says to us this morning, "Do we love him?" Thing is, is we're not we're not Peter. This is your question this morning. This is my question. The Lord asks us this question. Do you unconditionally love me? Well, that's your answer. So you, you, you can't have Peter's because it's a personal relationship. But Jesus asks you the question. Do you love me? He asks me this. He says, because if you, if you love me, if you really love me, I'm, I charge you. I give you. I love you, and I trust you, and I will give you the things that I care for to do. And he says, "Are you my friend?" and and that's a that's a that's a tough one. Are you a friend? Are you my friend? Friendship is supposed to be deep. When well, someone's your friend, you know, I there's 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 wonderful. Wonderful pictures. I'm a man, I am just a crier. I'm really sentimental. I cry at movies, it's horrible. I cried at Star Trek, <laughs> but, but maybe you did too. At the end of the, the movie, I used to watch the show too. I mean, there's no one that was as cool as James T. Kirk, but which his name was Tiberius, which is the way we're talking about to see if T- James Tiberius Kirk. Yeah, I'm a Trekkie. The movie. That came out in the in the '70s, and Spock, they're they're about to die, and Spock disappears off the bridge, and he goes into the reactor room. Any of you Trekkies, you might remember this. And he knocks out Scotty or whatever with the Vulcan thing, and he goes into the nuclear, what it was a nuclear, but whatever it was, you know, where the dilithium crystals were. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he fixes the thing. But in the process, absorbs all the radiation, whatever. Finally, Kirk is told that Spock is in there. And, and Spock, who's you know, half human, half Vulcan, no emotions, he puts his hand on the glass. And, and he looks at Captain Kirk, and he says, you are and shall always be my friend. Pretty simple part. They did it really well, because it's like, oh. Especially if you watched you know, Star Trek since the 70s, you know, as a little kid. Something about friendship. Are you His friend? Jesus asks us today. Are you my friend? Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Are you my friend? I don't know why that feels so different to me. I think I can say, oh, I love God. I love Jesus. But I treat Him like my friend. It goes in here, and and the next part is hard. Because verse 18 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. In other words, you've done what you wanted to do. But when you're older, see, he just, he said, do you love me? Yes. Are you my friend? Yes, Lord. I'm your friend. I flail you. You're going to take care of my sheep. You're going to take care of my lambs. I'm giving you charge over something that's very precious. It's mine, and I'm giving it to you. He says, now, when you were younger, you did whatever you want. But because of this, because of this, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, John then says what he, what he was signifying is that he was talking about the way he was going to die. So let me show you the position. You will stretch out your hands and be led where you don't want to go. Peter, you're my friend and you love me and I love you and I give you charge of these. But in this process, you're going to die for it. And that's a tough one. And as he spoke, Peter turned around and saw John and he says, Lord, what about him? Again, I don't know what he's, I, I wish I really knew what was going on in his, in his mind, and his heart. I mean, that's just guessing. What about him? You know, he's been here and I think Peter's getting it. I'm, I, you're talking, I'm going to die. Something bad's going to happen to me. What about him? And, and Jesus does something that we, need, we all need to get. You know what? Don't worry about him. Basically, he said, don't worry about him. And he says, you know, what is it if I, he ch- he's alive until I come back? And, but basically he's saying, don't worry about him. What happens to him is between him and me. What happens to you is between you and me. Are you ready to, to love Jesus and to be his friend and for him to give you the responsibility of whatever it is that he's going to give you? See, he's got a, a call and a purpose and a desire and a, for each and every one of us. It's different. And and some of the callings on your life are going to lead to a place that you don't want to go. But maybe the person sitting next to you, they're going to end up in places that you would rather be. Maybe more exalted, maybe an easier life. And Jesus says, listen, don't worry about them. Will you follow me? Will you be my friend? Will you love me? Will you feed my sheep? Will you do the things that I call you to do? Will you fish on the right side of the boat and not worry what's happening to the people around you? Well, they got more, they got less. I should suffer more, I should have. that's usually not what we say, but some of us are just glutton for punishment. You know, how come I don't get that? And I hope he well, you know, if I'm gonna suffer, is he is he gonna suffer too? Because he should suffer more than me. That's the question to us all this morning. Do you love me? Our first answer is easy. might be a lie, but it's easy. Yes, I love you, Lord. Do you love me? Yeah. Are you my friend? Lord, you know, you perceive everything. You know. I don't know, was he going... Yeah, I'm your friend. Isn't that an interesting answer compared to, Yeah, I'm your friend. Maybe it was more contemplative. Maybe finally on the third time. He goes, I get this. Yeah, I'm your friend. Close your eyes for a moment. He's asking us all this question. You know, even if we're a friend of Jesus, we'll, we'll fail. But he'll restore us if we'll take that moment and go through that harsh conflict. You know, to be looked at by Jesus three times and questioned couldn't have been easy. But this morning, as Jesus is looking at all of us, Do you love me? Answer him. Do you unconditionally love me? I want to. My child, are you my friend? I want to be your friend, Jesus. feed your sheep. I'll do what you call me to do. Give me strength if I'm led to the things that are hard but I want to be your friend. Thank you God for sending your Holy Spirit to strengthen us to love you and to be your friend. God when these We have these days, these weeks, these moments that we just want to go fishing. Show up. Get us to the right side again. Restore us so we can continue on in the things that you give us. We thank you that your love is so great. It can forgive all the things that we've done and you Call us back to yourself. We commit ourselves afresh. I commit myself afresh to you today. I want to be your friend and love you unconditionally. So we commit ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.